Episode 78, How to Talk to Your Kids About Scary World Events. This is the Expat Mom Podcast, a podcast for expat moms around the world who want to feel better and improve their emotional health as they navigate the unique challenges of living and mothering abroad. I'm your host, Jenny Linton. I'm a certified life coach, a mom to four daughters, and married to a U.S. diplomat. I've lived in six countries on four continents. I know what it's like to feel stuck emotionally, and I know how to get unstuck. I'm excited to share with you some tools to help you feel less discouraged, improve your relationships, and increase your confidence. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I think a lot of us continue to feel sad and worried about the people in Ukraine as we watch the events unfolding there. And I think often in the expat community, we feel especially sensitive to world events because our feeling of connectedness to the world is really strong. Between events in Ukraine and COVID and school shootings and other world events, there are a lot of news stories that can feel really scary to children. As expats, we're often more involved in events, and it's important to know how to address this topic with kids in a way that will support their mental health rather than detract from it. On today's podcast, I want to address how to talk to kids about scary world events. As a little girl who was raised in the height of the Cold War, I remember constantly hearing about Russia and nuclear weapons and the space race. And as in elementary school, we were asked to hide underneath our desks. We would have, instead of fire drills or in addition to fire drills, we would do, um, nuclear bomb drills. And so we'd have to hide under our desks. So to me, the threat of being bombed by Russia was not only a faraway fear, but a daily fear that affected me all the time. It wasn't something that we talked about a lot at home, and I didn't have a lot of context for it. And as a result, it was something that really continued to be a fear to me and kind of overflowed into other parts of my life. As a high schooler, I checked out tons of books about Russia. I took Russian culture classes and I learned Russian in college. And looking back, I was interested in Russia, but I also realized this maybe was an unconscious way of managing some of that childhood anxiety about the Cold War, which I think is fascinating to look back and recognize. There's a really interesting quote by Rudolf Dreikers, who was a child psychologist, He said, kids are keen observers, but poor interpreters. I think this is really relevant as we talk about talking to kids about scary news stories. Kids are like little sponges. They're absorbing information everywhere. So when we have the TV playing or they overhear us listening to the radio or they hear people talking about things, they absorb it. They think about it. But unfortunately, they often don't have the knowledge or the processing skills to know how to interpret it correctly. As humans, we don't just take in information. We've talked about this idea several times on the podcast, the idea that we take facts and events and we add meaning to them. So when children hear about a scary event, they often tag on meaning. Rather than just thinking, oh, there's a tornado somewhere, they think, oh, a tornado could come And take my house away. Or rather than just reading about fire somewhere else in the country, they might think, oh, my house could be consumed by fire. 
they think essentially this, that could happen to me or I'm not safe. And that creates a lot of anxiety and stress in kids. With my own children, I've wanted to learn some tools to be able to help them navigate hearing about news events because it's important for them to be aware of what's happening in the world. But I also wanted to be able to help them know how to approach them in a healthier way than I did as a little girl. So today I want to share four tools that you can use to talk to your kids about scary world events. Before we jump into the podcast, I want to let you know about a free resource that I offer to moms. I know that most moms want to raise emotionally healthy kids, and part of that is being emotionally healthy yourself. So every week I offer a small tip, tool, story, or perspective that can help you have something to apply with your family this week in order to improve your emotional and mental health. I know that moms are busy, so I purposely craft these tips to be short. I call it one minute wisdom. And the idea is that you can read through the tip in less than a minute. This resource is totally free and you can sign up for it through the link in the show notes or on my website, theexpatmom.com. I also wanted to read you a comment from one of the listeners. She said, I discovered this podcast shortly after moving from South Korea to Germany as the pandemic was beginning. Jenny and the Expat Mom podcast have been a lifesaver. I have moved 27 times, lived on three continents, have been an expat for 12 years now, and I am the mother of two young boys. You would think that by now I should have this expat thing down, but it can be hard and overwhelming at times. Navigating the overseas challenges as a parent is not easy when you lack the friendship, community, and support you need, especially during a pandemic with these unprecedented, constantly changing times. Jenny's podcast for me has been that best friend we all need, who kicks you in the bum by telling you the truth, making you talk about and face those tough subjects and awkward situations we deal with overseas without making you feel bad or mom shaming you. Wow. I just want to stop and say this mama is amazing. That is a lot of times to move. And you add on being in a pandemic and being a mother, those types of moves are tremendous. I appreciated her wonderful description of expat mom life, and I appreciated her kind words about the podcast. And I hope that no one ever feels mom shamed on this podcast. We are all figuring it out and navigating one of the hardest ways to raise kids, but one of the most amazing. So thank you so much to this listener. I would love to hear some of what you're getting out of the podcast. So if you would be willing to go and leave a review on the podcast, I would be so thankful. It also helps other people find the podcast. Okay, so let's jump into our topic of how to talk to kids about scary world events. So tool number one, give information intentionally and in small doses. So there was a really interesting um, study done by Common Sense Media that showed 42% of households have the TV on always or most of the time. Now, the reason this is really fascinating is that when the TV is on all the time, that means children can be constantly exposed to information and we may not even realize that they are hearing things or seeing things. One of the things that can be really important for helping children navigate these scary stories is to help news be shared in small doses in an age-appropriate way. So instead of having the TV going or even listening to the news in the car, you might consider using headphones, or you might consider just turning on the TV in a separate room from your child. 
And instead, sit down and have a chat with your child deliberately about what's going on in the world. And we'll talk more about how to do that. When we aren't deliberate about how we expose our children to the news, we risk the mental health of our kids. Another study showed that 63% of kids said the news makes them afraid, angry, and depressed. Isn't that interesting? I think even as as adults, we can feel that way sometimes, but I think it's especially important with children who may not have those natural proclivities to feel worried or angry or depressed. I think it goes back to what we talked about before that children add meaning to things. It's important to have that adult support as they navigate learning about some of these things that they may not be able to fully understand. So when is it the right time to start talking to kids about world events? According to Dr. Kaiser, who's a licensed child and family psychologist, kids who are preschool or older can handle at least some information about scary world events. And actually, not only can they handle, it's important to talk to them about it because they're likely being exposed to things outside your home and maybe inside your home that you may not even be aware of. So as parents, it's important for us to be the ones to bring it up. Kids may not think to bring it up. They may not feel comfortable doing it. Something that's really interesting about childhood is that we often feel things and we don't even recognize why. We just assume that that's just the way things are. But as adults, we're able to better recognize what's causing those feelings. And as parents, we can be instrumental in helping kids connect to those by bringing up these difficult topics. Bringing up the topic helps kids know that this is safe enough to talk about and that your home is a safe place to talk about difficult things. However, I think it's really important to mention that limiting exposure can go too far as well. In a sincere effort to shield our children from fear, we can actually create more fear. When children sense that something is going on, but they don't know what, their imagination can go wild. When I was about eight, there was a man in our neighborhood who had raped several girls and women. I had not heard anything about it until a neighbor who was a year or two older than me said something to my mom while I was present. She said something like, have you heard about the rapist? You probably don't want to be outside right now. I had never even heard the word rapist, but from the tone and the context, I knew it was something scary. My mom hurried us inside and I asked my mom, what does rapist mean? She said, honey, we'll talk about it later. And I asked her again and again, mom, what does rapist mean? Mom, what's going on? My mom had said we would talk about it later, but she didn't. My guess is she was trying to protect me from learning about a very difficult thing that probably would have made me feel afraid. But over the next few weeks and months and years, I worried about this. We didn't have Google where I could look it up and figure out what it meant. And so instead, I worried about it and my imagination went wild. I didn't want to be outside by myself. I didn't want to go to the basement alone for fear of this rapist who I didn't even know what it was. So I hope this illustrates why it's important to address these topics with kids, but to do it in small doses in an age-appropriate way. Tool number two is ask kids what they know and how they feel about it. As we mentioned, kids are amazing observers and terrible interpreters. They may notice and absorb more than we've realized, and they may also have big feelings and concerns about it. Some of these feelings may be merited. Other ones may be exaggerated. 
But an important place to start the discussion with kids is to find out what they've heard and what they're thinking and feeling about it. So asking kids allows us to meet a child where they're at. If a child hasn't heard about the gory details of something, it's likely not necessary to bring them up. However, if they have heard about them and they're worried about it, it may be something important to address. Bringing up the conversation might sound something like this. For a younger child, you might say, a lot of grown-ups have been talking about what's happening in Ukraine. Have you heard about that? Do you have some questions? For an older child, you might say something like, have you heard or read much about the conflict in Ukraine? What do you think about what's happening? Opening up the door and asking kids about these topics and starting off with allowing them to share what they already know is important for a couple of reasons. First, it allows kids to reflect and connect. Remember when we talked about how children sometimes have feelings, but they don't know why. They don't even know what they're connected to. And sometimes when we open up this conversation, it allows children to think and recognize, oh, these feelings are connected to this event. That's a really important thing to be able to do. Secondly, it allows kids to explore some of those concerns and feelings and thoughts. As a parent, it's important to validate kids' emotions and let them know that it's okay to feel those things. It's important to normalize them and let them know that you or others also feel those things sometimes. We did an entire series on emotion coaching kids. They're episodes number 39 through 42. If you want to go back and look in detail at how to emotion coach your kids through big emotions, this would be a perfect opportunity to use those skills with kids. Let me give you an example of how this played out in our family. So in January, our family got COVID. It was concerning and it was also disappointing on a lot of levels. Not only had we done a lot to avoid getting COVID, but we also got it right during the time that we were hoping to have Christmas plans with a bunch of family that had um, come to Virginia to celebrate with us. So my husband and I were disappointed, but we had also read a lot about the Omicron variant and we were vaccinated. So we weren't super stressed out about it. We knew that we would probably be okay. When we told our children, we tested them and we looked at their tests and they were positive. They started sobbing, especially my two little ones. And as I watched them, I was surprised at the intensity of their emotion. But as I thought about it, it occurred to me that they hadn't been reading all about these facts. In fact, they knew that there was this scary disease that we had to leave China because of. We had to stay inside for lots and lots of months and miss school because it was too scary to go to school. And then we had to wear masks everywhere and we had to avoid other people and social distance. You can imagine how scary that would feel to a young child who thinks that they have finally gotten this dreaded illness. So my husband and I stopped and said, tell us how you're feeling about this. You look really upset. My little one said, are we going to die, mommy? Will we have to go to the hospital? Asking our kids allowed us to know where they were at and to meet them there. I would never have thought to reassure them about not dying because I wasn't really worried about it. But of course they felt that way. It made total sense. And asking them where they were at and what they were feeling allowed us to reassure them about their specific concerns and go from there. And that leads us into tool number three, calmly give facts and context. 
So the manner and attitude that you use when you talk about big issues is really important. Kids take their cues about how to feel about things from us. If they see us as their parent frazzled and falling apart and stressed, it creates an additional level of anxiety for them because it sends the message, if my parent is scared, this must be really scary. They also worry because we're their primary caregiver that maybe the person who's supposed to take care of them won't be able to do that as well. So of course, it's okay to let your child know that you are concerned about what's happening, but be sure to do it in a calm way that helps a child feel more secure. If you're not feeling really calm, you may want to wait until you are feeling a little bit more calm to talk about these types of things with your kids. Take some deep breaths, Take a few minutes to calm down and collect your thoughts before you start. Once you do jump into a conversation with your kids, you can help them learn facts about what happened. So for example, in the case of a forest fire, you could let kids know that there were some forest fires in California right now. It's burned a large amount of land. There are some firefighters working on it, but there are some people who've had to leave their homes. They were told ahead of time that they should leave, and so far no one has been hurt. What I'm trying to do here is to offer them facts so they understand what's happening and also not only offer facts about what's happening, but facts about helpers and reassuring facts about what's happening and how the problem is being solved. Another example of this with the conflict in Ukraine, you could say Ukraine and Russia are countries that are neighbors. The Russian military came in to take over the country of Ukraine. Many people in the country have left the country and more are leaving. Many of the men stayed to fight. After sharing the facts, it might be good to check in with your kids again. Ask them what they think, what they're feeling, if they have questions. At that point, it can really help to give kids some context. So, for example, realizing that the conflict in Ukraine is actually very far away helps a child to feel safer. You might even be able to get out a map and show the child where you live and where the event is taking place. So we live in Virginia right now, and I can point on the map to my children and show them where the United States is, where Virginia is, and then go over to Ukraine. This helps them see that even though this is a very concerning conflict, it's far away from us. It helps the child have context that the fighting isn't coming over to America. Another way to give child context is to help the child know about the likelihood of this event happening to them. My daughter has had a lot of anxiety about school shootings. They are frequently in the news and it's easy to feel like they're happening all the time around us. As we talked with her through some of these concerns, I wanted to acknowledge that it's possible these things could happen happen. And that's something I want to offer is that we never want to downplay events and tell our children that something will never happen to them. While that sounds lovely and reassuring, it often causes us to lose credibility with our kids. So it's important to be honest and open about what is actually happening. But I also wanted her to understand that the probability of a school shooting happening to her was incredibly low. So we got online and we researched how many school shootings there had been in the last 20 years. And we looked at the likelihood of it happening to her school. Then eventually we researched the probability of her getting shot if it happened at her school. 
the final result was like 0.0000001. That was really interesting to both of us to see how low the probability was. The reality of the probability was much lower than what it felt like from reading the news. Facts don't always allay anxiety completely, but they can help a child put it in perspective. And while she doesn't totally feel comfortable about school shootings, she's been able to feel a lot more calm. As I mentioned before with the um, California wildfires, kids don't just need difficult facts. They also need facts about helpers and heroes. There was a really fascinating study done with children after a traumatic incident in their community, and they had the children draw some of these stories and process through what they had seen. The teachers saw that a lot of what the children drew were very scary and terrifying things focused on the difficulty of the problem. Then they also exposed these children to news media about a different community event later on. And they especially emphasized the role of helpers and heroes in this event, how the firefighters and the police officers and the other rescue helpers were able to assist the doctors and nurses in some of these emergencies. When they had children draw um, the story about these types of this story, the children had very different pictures, much more hopeful and included a lot of these helpers and heroes. So when we give our children facts and context, it's important to include not only the negative events, but also some of the positive things that are happening around that event. Okay, our last tool, tool tool number four, is helping kids take an active role in helping. So one of the reasons that events and news stories feel scary to kids is that they feel out of control. Children feel like this could happen to them and that they can't do anything about it. One of the ways to address this feeling of helplessness and vulnerability is to help them take action and feel like they are contributing to the helping. There are lots of ways to do this. You could, as a family, agree to pray for the people who are affected. You might call your friends and family in the area if they live there and see how they're doing. You might attend a peaceful rally if that's relevant to the type of news happening. You might read more about a particular group or an issue to understand better. You might let kids donate some of their allowance money to a fund to help. You might let kids help with clothing or supply drives. You might have kids write letters to people involved. As children have a chance to get involved, they feel a sense of empowerment and control over difficult things. They also learn that they can make a difference in their world, that they don't just have to be at the effect of difficult things that happen to them, that they can play a role as a helper or a hero. So let's quickly recap the four tools of helping kids learn about scary world events. Tool number one, give information to kids intentionally and in small doses. We talked about being sure to turn off the TV or the news that's generally around in the room and be very intentional about talking to children and giving them information at their appropriate age level. Tool number two, ask kids what they know and how they feel about it. We talked about the importance of asking kids questions to start off the discussion. Understanding where a child's at and what they know helps us be able to deliver the most important and relevant information without disclosing so much that they feel scared or uncomfortable. 
Tool number three is calmly give facts and context. We talked about the importance of using a calm voice. Our kids have those mirror neurons and they reflect back to us the emotions that we offer to them. So we can help them feel calmer as we talk about these types of events in a calm way. We also talked about the importance of giving them facts and context. So helping them understand what is happening and helping them understand how that event relates to them by where they are in the world, by probability, by associations. It's important to understand the context. And then tool number four, help kids take an active role in helping. So we talked about how kids often feel at the effect of scary things. And when we allow them to take an active role in helping, they're able to feel more control over the situation and realize that they can be a positive force in the world for good. So let's go to our expat exit strategy. This is the part in the podcast where we talk about how to apply some of these things and tools that we're learning. So think about a particular story that your kids might be thinking about. It might be Ukraine. It might be COVID. It might be one of a number of things. Think through the facts and the context that you may want to give your kids. Think about how you might want to encourage your kids to take an active role in helping. This might mean looking up some resources online. Then plan a quiet time that you can talk with your kids and ask them about what they're thinking or feeling about it. Then notice the impact and the response that your children have about this particular news story. I'd love to hear how it goes. So please feel free to write me and let me know. I've also included some links to resources um, that you can use to help with Ukraine if those are useful to you and your family. And before we go, I want to let you know that I offer a free full-length coaching session to anyone who would like to try it out. I am such a strong believer in coaching. I still get coached because it helps us clean out our brain. Kind of like we go to the gym to constantly stay in shape. Coaching sort of like keeping your brain in shape. It cleans out all the yucky stuff that's not helping you and helps you reframe what is in there in a healthy way. So I want to invite you to take advantage of this free resource and sign up on my website, theexpatmom.com for a free full length coaching session. I hope to meet you soon and I'll talk to you next week. If you like what you're learning on this podcast, please share this episode with a friend. I wish that I had had these tools a lot earlier in my life and I'd love to pass them along to more people who can benefit. I also appreciate when you leave reviews for the podcast. It helps me know my listeners better and understand what you find useful. It also helps the podcast grow. You can find more free resources to improve your relationships and your emotional health on my website at theexpatmom.com and on my Instagram page at theexpatmomcoach.